You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to episode 50 of our show, where we discuss the latest news about Apple, iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and more. We're recording on Thursday, January 7th, 2016. With me today, managing editor of Apple Insider, Neil Hughes. Hey guys, how's it going? Great, Neil. And also... Shane Cole. Making my triumphant return. <laughs> People have been asking for you. They missed you. They're, they're clamoring well, for mo- more coal. My fans, I'm here. For all the coal miners out there. <laughs> that was terrible. Wow. Okay. Well, let, That was just bad. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get on to the topics before things get worse. Wall Street. Neil. Lots of worries on the street oh, about man. Apple. Yeah. Because, uh, something about something about iPhone not growing, not sure. Yeah, what so this has been going on for a few months now where Apple's suppliers have um, said that they expect in early 2016 that they're going to struggle a little bit to meet what they were expecting for that span. And it just continues to build, and analysts continue to cut their estimates. And uh, things kind of uh, uh, reached a boiling over point this week with uh, a few reports coming out saying that Apple has apparently cut its orders for the iPhone from what it expected for the March quarter down by 30%. So the expectation now is that either the March or the June quarter or both may be the first ever year-over-year decline in iPhone sales uh, since the product launch in 2007. Uh, This is all based on conjecture at this point and rumors. Nobody really knows, and we're not going to have any clear idea of where we're at until January 26th, which is when Apple is going to report their December quarter earnings and guide for their March quarter. So, of course, it's not really based on anything at this point, but that's how Wall Street works. So there you go. And... Playing a devil's advocate here, why, uh, <clears throat> why would uh, growth from what was unquestionably Apple's largest iPhone launch last year, why would a growth reduction from the iPhone 6 be a problem per se? It's not really a problem, <laughs> but... I mean, you know, I think worst case scenario here, it's going to be flat or slightly down from last year. And considering we're talking about a company that is selling more smartphones, uh, premium smartphones than anybody else and is just raking in cash, Wall Street's only interested in growth. That's all they care about. And that's really what this is about. You look at what uh, Apple trades at uh, compared to what they bring in versus a company like Amazon, and it's not even... It's not even close because Amazon continues to grow, and that's all Wall Street really cares about, and that's that's really what it is. Apple will be fine. <laughs> They're going to sell a ton of iPhones in the March quarter, just like they always do. But a lot of uh, investors and, and analysts, they're still uh, uh, positive on Apple, still bullish, but they say that uh, the iPhone may not return to growth again until the iPhone 7 launches, presumably in September. Uh, the thinking is that the S product cycles uh, don't generate as much interest with consumers because it's not a new look. It looks the same as the previous year. So, you know, there's a few X factors out there, like rumors that uh, this quarter Apple might launch a new 4-inch phone. I don't know how much that would move the needle. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I think when you look at this kind of stuff, you have to say... It, yeah, it's ridiculous, but where there's smoke, there's fire. And all this stuff that keeps piling up saying that Apple's cutting iPhone orders for this quarter, there's probably something to it. The sky is not falling. It's not really that big of a deal. But uh, I guess if you're <laughs> invested in Apple, it maybe it's a bigger deal. But, you know, the company will be fine. It's not a big deal. So I have two notes on this, right? The first is the reason that Apple gets so screwed on Wall Street is I think because more than any other, especially any other technology stock, it's an emotional stock, right? Right. Apple is, was Steve Jobs, and there's, there's a struggle to evaluate Apple outside of that shadow. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it's not only that they sell the most smartphones in the world. They have more revenue and more profit than any other company in the history of Earth. And there's no rationality to this valuation, none whatsoever. So the only way to explain it is that it's just a strictly emotional response. People don't think Apple is Apple without Steve Jobs. And the evidence, the empirical evidence, suggests that that's simply not true. But it is what it is. Well, you, do you think uh, it's that or that? I mean, iPhone is such a huge part of their their revenue, and when it shows signs of uh, shows signs of shrinkage. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, it, 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 yeah, is it a death knell? No, you're totally right. And no, it's not a death knell, right? Apple, if Apple, ha- if sales dropped by half, they would still be one of the largest and richest companies in the world, right? Right. I mean, Wall Street is based. Everybody who's taken Econ 101, right, knows that you buy a stock and your stock represents a bet on the future of the company. And if the future that they see is whatever is in their mind as poor, right, then the stock falls. Because the idea is that if the iPhone fails, there's no Steve Jobs to make whatever the next iPhone is. You know, that's that's where I, what I mean by it's emotional and was attached to one person. There's there's no faith in the leadership of Apple being able to do the next big thing, which founded or unfounded. That's I think where a lot of the price depression comes in. And you know, there's a, there's a been a push uh, from Apple bulls on Wall Street too to try to change the way the company is viewed and look at them as more of a. Uh, you know, almost like a services company in terms of the way that their revenue comes in, because it's not like, you know, if you're a company that makes uh, TVs, right? Uh, one of the problems in the TV market is people buy a, a big screen 60 inch TV and it'll last them forever. So they just don't buy another TV. With phones, people upgrade their phones every year and a half, every two years. So there's been kind of a push for people that are trying to, you know, pump up Apple stock by saying, hey, this company is going to continue to sell iPhones forever. It's not like phones are going away. It's not like people are switching to other platforms. They're going to buy a new iPhone every two years, and they've got these people locked in, and they're going to keep making sales, aside from some sort of unforeseen seismic shift in the way that we use our devices. So I think one thing that I think maybe people are discounting a little bit is the level of fear in macroeconomics over what's happening in China. Right? Yeah. Um, that's at the top. My sort of day job involves strategic planning uh, in part. And that is at the top of every single conversation. Mm-hmm. It's at the top of every conversation I've had with people who are raising money in Silicon Valley. Investors are worried about China. Um, I mean, even to angel investors are saying, I don't know if I can give you a hundred grand, you know, um, what did, I'm worried about what the market's going to do because of what is going to happen in China. People are pretty much accepted at this point that the government numbers are made up. Um, <laughs> primarily what? because primarily because I do not believe you. raw material suppliers are reporting stark downturns in the amount of stuff they're sending to China so China can make other stuff. You know? um, and I think that's their, that general sort of malaise and a sense of impending doom is contributing to this view of the iPhone because China is a massive market and much of the recent growth has come from China. And if China contracts, then there is a serious problem. Not one that's going to kill the company, obviously, but one that will make the good times stop rolling for a while. Yeah, and, you, and you've seen well, now, you know, as of uh, today when we're recording this, shares of Apple opened below $100 today, which is the first time that they've uh, opened uh, at that level since 2014. So, and this is this is a story that's not going to go away in terms of Apple's growth and in terms of those larger concerns about China. Um, this is going to continue at the very least until the end of this month when Apple kind of gives an indication of how things are going. Um, and who knows how much they'll want to say about the March quarter at that point. But I would imagine that you're going to see this kind of uh, hand-wringing continue over Apple until the new iPhones come out in, in the fall, because that's just the way the cycle goes. Do you have an iPhone 6S, uh, Shane? Yes, I do. And I have an iPhone 6 sitting on my desk, which is 
in part what's propping up this microphone. <laughs> it is, it's a paperweight. Yeah, it is. I've just been lazy in selling it. <laughs> All right, well, moving on to uh, more recent news. Uh, Apple purchased a artificial intelligence firm today in Emotient. Um, so, uh, I think... I think artificial intelligence, the Wall Street Journal is the one who said that. I think artificial <laughs> intelligence, the definition of this is being stretched a little bit yeah. uh, to describe what these people do. They do facial sentiment analysis, basically. That sounds um, like they, intelligence to me, and it's artificial. <laughs> so I that's true. They, they take videos of your face, and they make a determination about how you're feeling, right? Is this done um, in real time? I, in, in my mind, I, I think so. I haven't done a ton. Of, it's happened a little bit ago, so I haven't had time to do a ton of research. In my mind, this is like a computer version of the guy from Lie to Me. Oh, I, I do right. like, uh, oh, God, what is his name? I can't remember his name. But anyway, yeah, that dude. Tim uh, yeah, Roth. Something. Tim Roth, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, will, what will they use this for? No joke. My money is on they just bought this for the retail stores. Really? Yeah, I think they just did it to learn their customers. What would you That's, What would you would, learn? Like, <laughs> track how happy they are. Yeah, absolutely. the uh, The entire idea of of brick and mortar retail now is to <laughs> keep it going by making your customers happy. Is there right? going to be an and internal can, corporate video of uh, smiles were down thirteen percent this week <laughs> at our <laughs> our stores? <laughs> customers are less happy. We need to up the happiness. No, I mean, it's all about tracking people, how they move through the store, where do they pause, how long do they pause, what do they interact with, how do they feel when they interact with this thing. I, I am know, still that, laughing that's about hugely the, valuable data. I am still laughing about the Wall Street Journal calling this artificial intelligence. I think based on their logic, the anti-lock brakes in your car are a form of artificial intelligence. <laughs> yes, that is also intelligent and artificial. <laughs> I mean, it, to be honest, there may be some deep neural net stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Well, they, they bought just, that uh, a company that did uh, the digital character creation for the new Star Wars movie, right? So yeah. they've made some interesting acquisitions in this field. Uh, I don't know where they're going with it. It just, you know, I'm thinking there's been a lot of talk about uh you know uh, no home button on your iphone and johnny ive did that interview where he was saying it's so uh slow to press a button on your phone and turn the screen on and he was talking about how with the apple watch you just raise it and it turns on maybe something along those lines uh coming in like future iphones or something like that i mean where where were they because you know some people are thinking oh virtual reality or uh well that doesn't make sense yeah that, that's not apple i mean apple might certainly create a way for virtual reality to be done on its platforms but apple's not going to get into the business of virtual reality i mean that's just not that's just so not if they're they not do. if they're not using the technology for what it was designed for which is advertising to be honest then my second theory is that it's just an aqua hire that they're doing something with facial recognition uh perhaps security related we've seen them explore that and like for that matter millions of people explored that before um, the stuff that exists right now is not great because it doesn't take depth into account. If you draw a line backwards from this to whatever that company was that does the motion capture, right? Um, to uh, the Connect company, the Connect, uh, yeah, whatever that was. It escapes Prime me at this moment, but yeah, Prime Sense. Prime, Prime Sense. Sense. There you go, those guys. Then what you have there is a very deep knowledge of how to capture people's faces and make sure it's them right yeah yeah and you know for mapping and stuff too a apple had a patent a few years ago that i thought was a really brilliant idea that um it was like a basically a crowdsourced street view where you could opt in and take photos of like storefronts and stuff and then apple could use data from your phone location angle and just combine a bunch of photos and kind of stitch them together and create like a, its own street view that would be you know like more efficient than Google driving vans around and stuff like that. I always thought that I was really a pretty wish that would happen. I really wish that would happen actually. I don't know how it is in New York, but here uh, the streets are often really narrow mm -hmm. you know because they've been around for a thousand years. Right. And 
fully half of the street view shots I try to see when I'm trying to figure out which of the 10 buildings that are next to each other this place is in mm-hmm. uh, are blocked by a truck or something. Yes, yeah, same in the delivery truck, truck yeah. you know? Yeah. So I really wish they would do that because that would make life immeasurably better for people who use Street View a lot. Yeah, I agree. I, I have a Plus bold, it could be updated much faster. I have a bold prediction for what they're going to do with Emotion acquisition. They're going to uh, have a new 2016 version of Photo Booth. <laughs> some dude, <laughs> some guy in our comments uh, said... People, something like people like to go to extremes with this technology, but Apple will probably just make it so that you can make a face at your phone and it'll make a custom emoji based on that. <laughs> I'm chomping at the bit. We need that now. I'm, now, now I'm just having flashbacks <laughs> of like iChat where you could like put uh, it would block out the background behind you. You could make it like you were on a roller coaster or something while you talk to somebody. I, 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 shit, <laughs> I shit you not. I did that to my wife the other day. Really? Can you still do yeah. it? Yeah, you can still do it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Man, you, can so own, you can make your own background. I want to have like a really important uh, business call or something and put myself on a roller coaster while I'm like, well, you know, sales I would put myself right in like the White House briefing room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what if, man. What if all of these great hires that they're getting in um, recognition and computer vision and stuff uh, why, why does no one tie it to the car because they're not going to make a car <laughs> how dare you the car is coming yeah i mean you know self driving car you know some sort of automotive platform i i not gonna am make a car. extremely yeah i don't think they're going to make a car car but i think they're exploring something in the automotive Either having something to do with CarPlay and making that uh, a broader platform that, I don't know, for lack of a better word, is more insipid and takes over more of the control from from OEM systems. But what does that have to do with recognizing your your face? Like it doesn't have to be a face. Mi- uh, there, it's recognized. Mikey's saying that vision, it would be, yeah. yeah, it would be everything that run the car, including the self driving capabilities, would be included. Yeah. So I mean, they have so a. They, Toyota buys the Apple car stack, basically. Yeah, and it it doesn't have to be facial recognition. I mean, this one is facial recognition by... um, It tells how happy you are when the car is going at 85 miles an hour down the road. These people are also... (laughs) It it takes delight in your terror. (laughs) Well, I mean, there are systems now that do monitor your face to make sure you're not sleeping behind the wheel. Right, yeah. Uh, of course, I don't know. I, they, they would probably, it would probably uh, if trigger an alert if they saw me. I I, I drive like a sociopath. <laughs> I, <I've, laughs> I have I have zero emotion on my face. As I drive. Uh, you don't drive around with a big smile on your face. No, because mostly I'm, I'm really upset at other drivers. I'm so happy so. to be in this Ford Windstar right now. Ooh, nice. I don't think many people. <laughs> I wonder if our audience knows what that is. Probably not. We're dating ourselves. Do you, do you actually drive a Ford Windstar? No, I do not. I wish I did. That car's uh, no. I meant Mi- I meant Mikey. It's OG. Uh, no, I don't. What do you drive, Mikey? Uh, Ford Focus. A Jeep. Jeep. Uh, no. Nah, I thought you would have. I, I thought you would have either. He drives a PT I you Cruiser. Had the quintessential Hawaii car of either the Jeep, Pontiac or Aztec. that. No, 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 no. That little Honda um, Element. No, the the little like uh, Isuzu thing from way back in the day, right? The little tiny Isuzu Jeep thing. Well, also this week, actually, still ongoing, we have the Consumer <laughs> Electronics Show. Just CES, it's not Consumer Electronics. Yeah, show. whatever. Look, I'm, I'm I hate acronyms that don't stand for anything. I agree. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to stick with the old guard. What about acronyms that stand for themselves? Hmm. PHP. Interesting. But this is not CES, and CES <laughs> is a is a classy affair. Yeah, as we all know. Um, Doesn't so, it go uh, on the same time as the porn convention? Well, yeah, porn. Well, I mean, it's uh, is it still upstairs? I don't know. I, like it uh, used to be across the street from it. There was a porn convention that would. Like, I think it, CES is so big now that <laughs> it ate the porn convention. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, well, <laughs> they're, we, they're, not, they're not that different anyhow. I, I, CES was never as bad as E3, though. E3, for they actually shut it down one year because it got so embarrassing, but then they brought it back. But Yeah, E3 was rough. E3 became infamous for its booth babes. Um, CES does that kind of garbage, too, but uh, E3 was really bad for a few years there of just women and thongs trying to get you to play video games. A compelling... A compelling... Uh, Compelling strategy, but um, Shane wanted to uh, talk about the Razer Core and what it means for Apple. Shane, what is the Razer well, Core? First of all, the Razer Core is a really gigantic Thunderbolt 3 dock made by Razer, aka the people who made the glowing gaming mice. And the reason it's interesting is because it's not just any old Thunderbolt 3 dock. Uh, first, it runs Thunderbolt 3 over USB-C, which I think is the first actual implementation of that I've seen. Uh, I don't think another one's been released yet. Secondly, it is uh, it has a PCI Express slot inside it. So what you can do is throw in a... Why are you laughing at me? I'm blowing my nose. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sorry. Anyway... <laughs> So you can throw in uh, any PCI Express graphics card. It supports uh, full-length, double-width, uh, S16, or X16, sorry. And so any, like, GTX 970, any awesome graphics card. And plug it into their Blade Stealth, which is, like, the Razer version of a MacBook Air. And when you do this, uh, you don't have to reboot or anything. It's hot. It's hot pluggable. Uh, the Razer, the laptop begins rendering graphics with whatever graphics card is in the core. And an external GPU, especially connected by Thunderbolt, is something Mac gamers have been asking for forever, right? Um, I really want one because I would like to be able to... I have a discrete GPU in my laptop, and I would still like to get one because my discrete GPU can't handle Crisis, for example, right? Uh, and if it could, in my laptop would melt soon after. Uh, but you can't do it. It's You can do it, but it's really hacky. It, you, there's no first-party Apple support for uh, Thunderbolt GPU drivers. They're not hot-pluggable. You have to basically write your own kernel extension to get it to work. Uh, generally, it really sucks. Um, the overall ecosystem for PCIe, external PCIe cards on Mac, is not great to begin with. Um, like Even professional video, video editors have problems with uh, fiber channel stuff or external capture cards, things like that. But it really just is non-existent for external GPUs. And me, and I guess Neil, and every Mac gamer on Earth really wants Apple to do this. And clearly it can be done because Razer just did it. So Apple, the richest and most powerful corporation on Earth, we beseech you, give well, us this thing. When Thunderbolt first came out, there were rumblings. W wasn't there also, didn't a company say they were going to do uh, something similar? Neil, yeah, I think so you were. It, there were a in few the early like days, Intel was blocking it. They wouldn't allow it to be supported uh, through Thunderbolt for whatever reason Intel had. Um, now, you can, like I said, you can technically do it, and people have done it, and it works. But it's not easy, and it's not stable. Yeah, There's they no turnkey solution for it, though, right? Yeah. There's no and there won't be until Apple puts effort into it. Yeah, Apple doesn't that. have the, the software support for it, so you have to, like Shane was saying, you have to do it yourself. you got to buy all this hardware. It's expensive. But, you know, Apple could make something like this. They could put a, a graphics card into a Thunderbolt display, and you could plug in any Thunderbolt-capable Mac and have it automatically drive the display uh, and use the GPU and have enough bandwidth to give you better graphics. And then when you're on the go and you want a small MacBook Air, you've got a MacBook Air on the go. I don't, I mean, it, it seems like a no-brainer to me. I mean, it seems like this is something that should have been out there for a while. So PC gamers are going to get this thanks to Razer. I don't know how big of a market there will be for it, but um, this is something I think that on, on the Mac would, not only for gamers, but for anybody doing any sort of high-end graphics work, stuff like that, I think that this would be a professional grade thing that a lot of people would be interested in. Do you think that Apple is perhaps hesitant to do it because it would be an admission that their laptop is not everything that you need? Well, they don't even have to do it. You know, I, I put out a Thunderbolt display as an example, but if they just if they just had the support in OS ten silently and, you know, they wouldn't have to sell out their stores, they wouldn't have to do anything. It could just be people, you know, enthusiasts doing it on their own. 
uh, and you know, uh, graphics card makers selling it as an accessory and stuff like that. It wouldn't be an admission of anything. It'd be an optional thing you could do with your computer. It's no different from plugging yeah. in a mouse or anything else. So I mean, it's like I said a second ago. They, you, there's already an ecosystem around external PCIe cards on the Mac, and it's mostly for um, professional video editors, right? Um, fiber, fiber channel storage, or especially now with the Mac Pro. Uh, that Thunderbolt is the expansion port of, of, I guess, fiat. Um, external capture cards and all, all that kind of stuff, people already do externally. Uh, I don't think Apple would ever actually make this kind of product because they just wouldn't sell enough of them. But, like Neil said, enabling third parties to do so is something that they can and I think should do. Indeed. I mean, one example of why this is important um, to tie this into another popular story from today is the Oculus Rift won't support Mac because there is no Mac, uh, I, I guess other than the Mac Pro, but that's such a small percentage of Mac installs mm -hmm. that will that is capable of driving it. Yeah. Did you pre-order one, Lenny? or do you have the? DK? I don't. I don't have. DK I don't have a yeah. Windows PC to drive it with. Oh. Yeah, I don't have a. I did install Windows 10 on my computer this week, but... <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Are you going to tell the story now? Oh, I mean, I guess I can. I, I went through a uh, process this week. Um, I'm, I'm, I just moved into a new place in Brooklyn. And um, I now am the proud owner of a receiver with support for AirPlay. So uh, some listeners out there may know that I'm a big proponent of AirPlay. I think AirPlay is, is quite fantastic. I use it a lot to stream music, different zones. I use an Airport Express, like that. I now own a receiver, a Denon, or how do you pronounce that company? D-E-N-O-N. Denon. 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 Uh, it's the Denon uh, AVR-S710W, a great name. And uh, it's got built-in AirPlay support, so it connects over Wi-Fi or Ethernet, and it shows up as an always-on um, option for playing music, which is great. So before, if I wanted to play stuff through my home theater system, I'd have to go over to the TV and turn on the TV and the receiver and then switch over to the Apple TV to use AirPlay. Now I have a speaker that's just kind of always in standby mode and works. The reason that I own this receiver is because uh, I thought that my old receiver had died, uh, went through a, a long trial and error process, only to discover that uh, the receiver that I had before was perfectly fine, and now I have two receivers. It was the uh, HDCP on my projector that has broken. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with HDCP, what does it say for hardware digital copyright protection or high speed or something? I don't something know. Like that. Something along those lines. And it really it should just be called BS because that's exactly what it is. It's a complete uh, uh, creation of Hollywood and uh, uh, cable companies and movie studios and television studios and all that. That is just another example of how if you try to prevent piracy, all you're really doing is making it inconvenient for law-abiding citizens such as myself. What happened was HTCP handshake stopped working. And what this does is it makes sure that your receiver and your TV and your, and your Apple TV all know that each is like a legitimate product. So that way you're not you know, recording an episode of NCIS and, and putting it on BitTorrent. Uh, or something like that, right? So if if HTCP breaks down, then none of your stuff works. And I couldn't get a picture on my TV, and I thought it was my receiver. It turned out it was my projector that I own. And HTCP just completely broke down. But when I plugged directly into my projector from my Apple TV, it worked fine. So the way that I actually discovered that this was the problem was I could uh, use anything on my Apple TV. It was fine until I tried to stream a movie from iTunes, then it would say, oh, uh, HTCP handshake doesn't work. You can't watch this movie on there. So kudos to Apple for actually letting the entirety of the tvOS platform work 
aside from copy protected content on iTunes. At least you can use it if you don't have, you know, a compatible TV or something. But I mean, it's such a crock of BS, this, this, the fact that this stuff doesn't work and it's designed to prevent piracy, but the pirates have already found a way around it anyhow. All you're doing is inconveniencing people. I mean, could you imagine like if somebody like your parents or something encountered that error, they wouldn't know what the hell was going on and to tell them they'd have to go out and buy a new TV so they could use their stuff. And it's criminal at that point. Are we talking about gun control? I, don't, I, I zoned out for a second and <laughs> caught the tail end. So anyhow, through that whole process, I ended up installing Windows 10 on my Mac because I was updating the firmware on my projector, which cannot be done through a Mac. I had to, I had to get a 90-day trial of Windows 10, do boot camp, install it on my Mac, update the firmware, and that still didn't fix the damn issue. <laughs> took me like six hours yesterday. Ugh. Now I feel unclean. I have to wipe that partition and get windows off there. But did you get it to work in the end? No. The ACCP so still, still doesn't work? So, you know, here's, here's my fix now that I got, right? I had to buy a $40 uh, HDMI splitter from Amazon that's going to get here tomorrow that strips the HDCP and tricks your devices into thinking everything's kosher. So now I'm going to run my HDMI cables through some sort of a splitter that is now going to allow it to work, apparently. And we'll see if it actually works when it gets here. But the, God, the, the only other alternative is to buy a new TV or projector. Their safeguards are actually turning you into a pirate. <laughs> it's just like, you know, yeah, exactly. So now I have it so I can output without digital copyright protection to two devices. You know, I could plug it into my, to, uh, some sort of uh, device and record stuff. And, oh, man, you know, what am I going to do? Record nightly episodes of the PBS NewsHour and put them on the Internet? Who gives a crap? The feds are going to knock down your door. Such a joke. You've admitted this. Such a joke. And so Time Warner Cable, I now have uh, two cable boxes here because it doesn't even tell you that it's an HTCP issue. So I got my first cable box from Time Warner, plugged it in, no picture. I called Time Warner, and they're like, oh, well, it must be the box. We'll send you a new one. They mail me a second one, same issue. I didn't realize that it was a copyright protection issue until I screwed around with the Apple TV and got an actual error message. So they don't even give you an error message. You don't even know. You just plug it in and it doesn't work. Who comes up with this can crap? I just, can I just stop for a moment and say that I called it as HTCP yeah. about two seconds yes. after Neil started telling me this story? <laughs> I started telling the story earlier today, and I was like, yeah, I have a projector, uh, or I bought a new receiver that has AirPlay, but it was because of this issue. He's like, oh, yeah, HTCP, right? It's like, oh, well, there you go. See? You should have called me. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable that this is tech, and this is this is why Apple will never release a television set, because I mean all of this, it, it's absolutely insane. You have to be like a systems integrator to understand how to get all this stuff to work. It, it, it's, well, also because it's a terribly low margin business. Well, and it's a terribly low margin business, and you have to deal with these stupid companies like Time Warner and all the movie studios and everybody else who require stuff like HDCP. Apple has to put HDCP on their content and on their Apple TV because otherwise they wouldn't be able to sell movies because Warner Brothers is really worried that someone's going to use that as a method to, to record Batman and put it on the Internet. Like the pirates haven't already figured out a way to rip it. Come on. This, this is a – so I'm getting totally off track here, but this is a place where I think losing Steve Jobs really hurts Apple for two reasons. One, because of who he was and the just the sheer – browbeating he could give people to make them do what he wanted yeah but two because of how the amount the the degree of control he had at disney right disney is the biggest content company in the world um and if they're not the biggest i can't imagine they're not the biggest by revenue or by any financial metric but if they're not they are the most important especially in the united states there's no question about it uh between disney proper and abc and espn they're it, right? And Marvel and Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, now especially, yeah, Marvel and Lucasfilm. And if you... They can push through anything they want. Right. So if you have Steve Jobs as Disney's largest shareholder and simultaneously the CEO of a major tech corporation, I think you would have seen a huge amount of change by now that hasn't happened because that dynamic doesn't exist anymore. And like there is, as we were saying earlier, people don't think Apple's the same without Steve Jobs. I think it's largely untrue, but I think this is one specific place where it's absolutely true. You just don't have th- that kind of presence anymore. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, uh, you can actually still see the influence of uh, the partnership between Disney and Apple in uh, when you buy Blu-rays. Pretty much nobody supports iTunes digital copy anymore except for Disney. 
and well, everybody Iger's else moved on, on to board, ultraviolet. Isn't he? What? Iger's on the board, isn't he? Yeah, Iger's on Apple's yeah. board. I mean, so there's a, there's a lot of partnership between them. But if you look at every other movie studio, you know, Universal, whoever run down the list, they've all backed this stupid ultraviolet format. So if you like to buy Blu-rays, um, you can't get your movies on iTunes anymore unless you're buying Disney movies. Those are the only ones that come with iTunes digital copy anymore. It's just everybody else just kind of moved on and decided they're going to create their own thing. Why they do this, I have no idea. It's not good for consumers. And Bob Iger is one guy who gets it. You know, a few weeks ago, he was talking about the Apple TV and how he likes the interface and stuff like that. And he was saying that as content creators, what they need is to make sure that this stuff is as frictionless and easy for consumers as possible. He gets it. And you look at companies like Time Warner and Comcast, and you look at some of these movie studios and all that, and everything that they do is designed to make your life as miserable as possible. I mean, that's how they control everything that you do. So I was trying to watch TV the other night, and I couldn't get my cable box to work because of all this HDCP stuff. So I said, well, Time Warner has an app that allows me to stream live TV on my iPad. I'll just use that. And so break out my iPad Pro. You know, I got to figure out what the password is. All right, I get logged in. I got live TV on there. I'm like, I'll just airplay it to the Apple TV. Screw it. I don't need a cable box. (laughs) Swipe up on the control center at the bottom. Choose uh, airplay uh, uh, and then choose mirroring. Send it to the Apple TV. Get an error message up on the Apple TV. This uh, app uh, does not allow output over HDMI. I mean, you know, Time Warner is literally putting up a roadblock. Why? Because they want me to pay them $15 a month for a cable box. And if I could use their live streaming app on my iPad and beam it to my TV, then I don't have to pay them for a cable box anymore. But that's not, that's not a smart business model in any way because you're not giving consumers what they want. You're withholding what consumers want just so you can charge them more money. So, of course, they're going to kick you to the curb as soon as they can. Why do you think people want to cut cable so bad and, and stop doing business with these companies? Because they're not interested in doing anything the way that you want it. They're interested in controlling the experience. And that's why you end up with HTCP issues. That's why you end up with companies abandoning iTunes digital copy and going to their own things like Ultraviolet. It's just so they can control the experience from top to bottom. And it has nothing to do with what you want as a consumer. So that entire rant about Ultraviolet was interesting because Disney actually has their own thing. Yeah, they do. That's like Ultraviolet. Yeah. And it, the, the key difference is that theirs actually works. And it works with uh, um, iTunes digital as- copy as well. Yeah, it works with, it works with iTunes, it works with Amazon yep. also. Yep. Um, whatever Google's movie thing is, it works with that. So, yeah, and yeah, they're, they're, definitely, they're definitely for... Actually, I'll tell you, the, the one indication that Disney is more forward-thinking than anyone is, one, that Disney research exists. Okay. <laughs> and two, the amount of cool stuff that has absolutely no application to anything you can imagine Disney ever doing. Right. Right. Disney research is right now the closest approximate the closest public approximation there i'm sure that there's something somewhere else that's that's better but the closest public approximation we have to what bell labs used to be so yeah i really i'm a big fan of disney obviously. yeah disney does a lot of things really well and it's great that they have a close partnership with apple and none of this is meant as a oh uh you know these movie companies should put all their stuff on itunes digital copy but i mean the fact that nobody likes ultraviolet tells you all that you need to know the fact that I can't, plug, Movie? I can't plug in my cable box and have it work. If I do it over uh, component cables, which are not digital, they're the analog cables, works absolutely fine. But because I'm using an HDMI cable, then it gets blocked out. I mean, who comes up with this crap? Movie companies have, like, shell shock over what happened to the music industry. Yeah. And they're just desperately trying to make it not happen to them. And in the process, they're missing a massive opportunity Sorry, I was dying. Uh, so Mikey mentioned gun control earlier, and I'm going to relate this to gun control oh, here we because go. that's a fun podcast. <laughs> so um, a lot of my friends from the U.S. are like super conservative, and they're talking. They were The thing they were most upset about during the president's speech was that he sm- slammed the NRA. And I made the point to one of them, the NRA should have been out for on gun violence 10 years ago, right? They missed their opportunity to control the agenda. If the NRA had, had thought ahead, mm-hmm. they would have seen this coming because it's not like gun violence didn't happen 10 years ago. This, this has been building for 20 years. And video companies are in the same place, right? They had their chance. They saw what happened to the music industry. And instead of saying, hey, we're going to go make this work, they did half-assed stuff like Ultraviolet. And now they're just sort of sitting on their hands. 
So, yeah, I mean, that happens in as any... As far as I'm concerned, they get what they deserve because they just totally failed. They had the blueprint laid out before them and totally blew it. You could say the same about newspaper companies, too. You know, like, oh, people are buying fewer newspapers. Well, let's just reduce the quality of what we're doing and make the paper smaller, yeah. have less original reporting. Why would anybody want to buy a newspaper at that point when it's just getting worse and worse? You know, it's it's a, it's a, it's a feeds on itself. I understand that. But you look at uh, the movie industry, too, and it's like... Used to get DVDs that had extras and stuff like that. Well, now they want you to buy it on iTunes and not get any extras. They want you to get it on Blu-ray and only get a digital copy through their service and can't use it offline and you're tied to some app and stuff like that. You can't do what you want with it. Or you go see it in the theaters and you pay you know, $15 a ticket or whatever to go see a movie in theaters. And the experience is terrible. They don't have proper projectionists that know what they're doing. It's some you know, 16-year-old kid just getting paid 7 bucks an hour to be there. Um, the, the the theaters aren't clean. Uh, the moviegoers don't care. They're on their phones the entire time. So wh- why would you expect anyone to pay for this experience when it's not any good? When I'm going to pay you money for something that is substandard from what I used to get. That's the part that none of these media companies understand, whether it's music, whether it's movies, whether it's newspapers, whatever. As we get into this digital age, they're just not they're not understanding that people will appreciate quality. Indeed. Moving on to iPhone. <laughs> well, the big, uh, it's, uh, it's January, so we have to start with the iPhone 7 rumors. Uh, and there's a, there's a couple out there floating around. First, and probably the thing that we've heard the most about, is that Apple's going to axe the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. No, they're not. Nope. What? But but everyone says they are, guys. No. So why do you think they're not going to do it this generation? Because it would be an incredibly stupid thing for them to do. Can you elaborate on that, Neil? I don't think he needs to. <laughs> I mean, everyone owns... I think it's self-apparent. Everyone owns a pair of headphones. Extraordinarily dumb. Everyone owns a pair of headphones with a 3.5 millimeter jack. Uh, a lot of those people use those headphones with their iPhone. Uh, the headphone jack is going to go away eventually. It has to, and it's going to stink for a lot of people when it does. But uh, in Apple's quest to make things thinner, the headphone jack is going to be an issue, and plus it's dated technology, and Apple is on the forefront of getting rid of things. They have a long history of doing it uh, in their products. So, yes, the headphone jack is going to go away, but there's going to have... I mean, this is legacy technology that's been around for so long that you can't just straight up and rip it out. It's going to... There's going to have to be some sort of a transition or something like that where they start shipping lightning headphones with the iPhone but keep the headphone jack for a couple years or something like that. But just to go up and take the headphone jack out of a model without any sort of um, getting the market ready for iPhone uh, compatible headphones you know, with lightning jacks and stuff is going to be a huge mistake and a complete PR disaster. I mean, yeah. if you look the, back and the, rem- kerf- the kerfuffle that surrounded moving, I just wanted to say kerfuffle <laughs> that surrounded moving from the dock connector to lightning will be a garden party yes. compared to the Hunger Games riots that will accompany dropping the headphone jack you, without <laughs> a suitable ecosystem of replacements. You look at uh, Bendgate, uh, uh, the antenna gate, all these pseudo-fake controversies that we've had over the iPhone. None of that will stand compared to when they get rid of the headphone jack. Now, having said that, they're going to have to come to terms with that at some point and have that you know, rip the Band-Aid off and get it over with. But the smart way to do it would be, like I was saying, you have some sort of a transition. You get more lightning headphones on the market, uh, adapters, stuff like that. Uh, you start to um, sell consumers on the appeal of having lightning headphones or Bluetooth, uh, higher quality, that kind of stuff. But if they just do it uh, with one model upgrade and just switch like that, uh, they are going to have a complete PR disaster. And Apple, for all the forward thinking that they have and their willingness to abandon uh, legacy technology to push things forward, they're not that dumb. If you are listening to this podcast and you're saying to yourself, well, you wouldn't be saying it to yourself. If you're listening to this, you're probably screaming at the wall saying, but they would include an adapter, obviously, just like they do in Europe for micro USB. You need to go somewhere and sit quietly and contemplate your life. 
<laughs> because if you think that's an actually a good idea and some and if you're listening to this podcast you probably love apple and if you think that's a good idea that a company you love the company you love would actually do you need to reevaluate your life now that i've offended everyone let's move on <laughs> I, 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 it's not going to happen this year it's just not there's no way that that happens i will be absolutely shocked if an iphone comes out this year without a 3.5 jack it's just it, it's crazy it, it would be absolute lunacy it's not going to happen i agree indeed other iphone 7 rumors um this week we had a parts leak that gave us the first hint at what the format might look like it's not much to go on it's the uh 3d touch supposedly uh display um and there was a flex cable move so i think not whatever, much to go on is whatever. actually overstating what was there they, they moved that flex cable at least a couple centimeters yeah yep make it make it room for, for something yeah if this is something you care about if you're listening to this podcast and this is something you care about go read it on the website because we don't And quite simply, something that maybe we do care about is the 256 gigabyte option that could debut. It was rumored previously, but it might actually make it this year. Do you think that uh, they're going to do it, or is that seem it seems too aggressive? I mean, you can't even get 256 gigs on an iPad Pro yet. Yeah. Well, here's my question: What are people using all of this space on their phones for? I have. I always buy. I always buy the 64 gig version, and I have a ton of apps, and a ton of them are games. I take a lot of pictures, and I listen to a lot of music, right? But I still have like 20 gigs remaining. What do people use all this space for? I get video and stuff like. I get video and stuff like that. Well, I, I guess. But how many people actually use their phones with portable hard drive? Let me see right now. I. Am at I have a hundred twenty eight gig phone and I have twenty four gigs available. Where's all your space gone? I have fifteen hundred songs stored locally. I have three hundred sixteen videos. I have ten thousand photos and two hundred sixty six applications. So all of your space is in videos and yeah, I take a ton of photos, yeah. and I have an app that I use um, called Flick, F-L-I-C, which is like a Tinder ripoff for keeping or deleting your photos. So once th- once a month, it'll say, hey, go through the last month, and then I'll swipe left or right to keep or delete and uh, free up some space that way. But I take a lot of photos. Isn't this the very problem that iCloud Photo Library is meant to solve? Um, I don't. I mean, I, I don't uh, want my stuff stored just on the cloud. I want it stored locally on the phone as well, so I don't have to download it when I want to go through my photos. And that's why I yeah, buy the 120 how, gig phone. How often do you go back to the 9,416th photo? I go back through my photos a lot. Um, and really? Yeah, I'll do. I'll like dig up old ones. and uh, When your wife is out of town. And, <laughs> and I'm feeling lonely. Uh, no, like, uh, I have like a group, uh, conversation with like seven or eight friends of mine and, uh, we just text each other all the time and all like do like photoshops of people and stuff like that and take old photos and make memes out of it and stuff just, you know, for funsies. And, uh, yeah, I go through, uh, I go through my old photos a lot. Okay. So I really enjoy, uh, the redesign on photos since iOS eight, was it? Uh, where you know it makes it easier to have stuff sorted by location and um, year and stuff like that, where you can zoom in and out. I don't use the search feature. I don't find that as valuable. I would use the search feature more if I could tag photos. That would be nice. Um, but they don't have that option. But I do use um, I use uh, the folders a lot as well. I create albums um, and stuff like that. There's little tricks that I have, like if I'm getting a bunch of photos that are older and I want to. Um, make it so I can easily access them for like to Photoshop them or mess with them. I will temporarily make them favorites. So they show up in the favorites folder, little tricks like that, that I do just to make it easier. I do that to sort too. My photos. 
the fact that you have to do that, I think, is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Apple needs somebody made this. I don't remember who it was. Somebody made this point a couple of days ago. I, I've been harping on this for a long time, but I'm just a blustery person in general. They need to stop and wait a minute and stop adding features and stop worrying about the behind the scenes technical parts of their software yeah. and seriously reevaluate one, why they put a fashion designer in charge of UX and two, what they can do to fix the current, I beat this out if you want, the current cluster that is their software. I'm sorry, it, it is. Music app on iOS is terrible. iTunes is terrible. Photos is okay-ish. Yeah, Photos is um, a lot better than it used to be. Yeah. They, just, it, they need some more power user features in Photos. You know, iTunes, iTunes Music, and also just the Apple Watch in general. The Apple Watch was a bunch of good ideas that shouldn't have been used. Right? I was bitching about this to Neil the other day. Why is there no reminders app on the Apple Watch? Right. The fact that there is no reminder, the number one, I guarantee you, the number one use for the reminders app among the people who use the reminders app is a shopping list, mm -hmm. which would be the handiest thing on earth to have on your wrist on your supermarket. The fact that there is no reminders app on the Apple Watch is all the proof I need to know that the people who design the Apple Watch don't use the Apple Watch. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just no. You're just the way you're right. The fact that there's no reminders app. Yeah. The fact that you can't quickly access passes without going to the fiddly little circle home screen. No, you can just swipe the down. People if, who made this do not use this. It, it, yeah, you and I were talking about this the other day. You you can access your passes if you have them like on your calendar, like if it's an upcoming. Only event. if they're yeah. Yes. Only if they're on your calendar and only if they're geofenced. Right. But any any pass that's actually useful that's not one of those two things is inaccessible. My example is Starbucks. I'm not adding every Starbucks to my favorite Starbucks list, so so I can see the pass when I go up to one. <laughs> uh, indeed. I'm just saying. No, you're right. I'm just the, the, Neil mm. earlier ranted <laughs> HDCP. I'm ranting Apple software <laughs> experience right now. Have fun bleeping, Mikey. Uh, I'm going to use your cat as a... Uh... So the last uh, story of the week that is perhaps worth talking about, maybe not, is that the App Store hit new records. Woo! Woo! Is Neil. it me, or does $144 million in one day seem low? <laughs> it doesn't seem like very much money, actually. Yeah. 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 What do you think about the scale of the App Store? That doesn't seem like a lot. Is this, uh, was this just U.S., or was it worldwide? Worldwide. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a lot of money. Yeah, not at all. Well, I mean, it was New Year's Day, so... Apple's done this But it was every... the biggest day in history, though, right? Yeah. Apple's done this yeah. every year for the last, I don't know how many years. It's basically, CES is going on. It's a slow news season. Apple wants to get their name out there and kind of piss on the CES news or lack thereof, so they put out some meaningless... Like, it, it's funny how predictable Apple has become now, like, in terms of their timing on everything and when they do everything. Like, the last three, four years, they've just gotten to this pattern of this is the way it's going to be. This is how we do things. Um, you know, and they shook it up a little bit last year with the Apple Watch and stuff like that. But other than that, it's, you know, you're going to get new iPhones and new iPads in the fall. They're going to put out this press release every January. I mean, that's just how they're doing things. I am really intrigued to see how or if that will change uh, going forward. So they, there's been this story making the rounds for a long time that Apple is going to ditch Shy at Day, or I guess it's TVWA now. Yeah. Uh, they're going to ditch their, their advertiser and bring everything in-house. And they just hired... Um, uh, I f suddenly forgot his name. The guy, the, the former global career director at Gray, I think. Yeah. Uh, anyway. anyway, they hired this dude who is a big deal in the advertising world. We'll just leave it at that. And the interesting thing is that he reports to, to replace their departing internal creative director. And the interesting thing is that he reports directly to Tim Cook. He does not report to Phil Schiller. And Schiller just got all of the developer responsibilities added. So I have to wonder if VP of Worldwide Marketing isn't actually VP of Worldwide Marketing anymore. What's, what's the dynamic there? And if something is changing, how will that affect the way Apple does business? 
His name's uh, Tor Myron. There you go. I, I have no idea how you pronounce it. I probably butchered the poor guy's name. Sorry, but yeah. If you're from a Nordic country and we mess that up, please direct. <laughs> please all your send your hate mail to me. Cat. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted. I, I'm really curious because the, the previously, right, the bifurcation was the internal creative team handles Apple's stuff, the stores yeah. and their marketing materials and their boxes, and then the advertising team handles the external advertising. Mm-hmm. And from what everybody says, that bifurcation is essentially gone, and they compete with each other now. And now hiring this dude and elevating him high enough that he reports directly to the CEO tells me that there's a, a super. Uh, not super, so it's a terrible word. I don't know why I keep using it. A much larger shift than everyone has thought before. And I'm curious to see how that affects what they do. Yeah, they almost feel in some ways kind of stagnant in this routine, right? And, you know, Tim Cook made some comments a few years ago about, oh, he's going to double down on security. I don't think they've done a very good job of that. Uh Pretty much every time a new product comes out, we know almost everything about it. The one exception would be uh, a couple of years ago when they announced the Apple Watch before launching it. We didn't really know anything, and that was because it wasn't being yeah. manufactured yet, and they hadn't said anything to developers. So, you know, we had an idea they were going to do a watch, but we didn't really know what it was going to be. Um, the reality, did a pretty good job with as well. The reality of the global supply chain is that you just can't keep everything a secret. I don't, you, I don't think they did a very good job because, with the Apple TV. You think they did a good job saying, with the leads or such? Are you saying global or Chinese supply chain? <laughs> the, well, yes. The yeah. global China-based supply chain. Yeah. Well, when it's uh, developed here, it, or when it's uh, manufactured largely here in the U.S., uh, not too many leaks. You, you thought, yeah, you thought there's the... A, there's, a saying in, there's a saying in China, just before we move on, there's um, among my friends who do manufacturing, that no copyright, copy is right. That's pervasive <laughs> throughout the whole thing. Mikey, you thought they did a good job keeping the Apple TV under wraps? I mean, I think we knew everything about that. Aside from, you know, the bright colored UI, we knew it was going to have a remote with Siri in it. We knew uh, that it was going to have a touchpad. We knew that it was going to have an app store. Um, you know, I, I think, but here's I, the thing. How many of that of those things were just yeah, wild think- ass guesses that happened to be correct? I mean, well, I, I mean the the the, the touchpad and stuff is is good. I mean, there it's been floating around that rumor that it's coming out has been floating around for so long that right. it's given people so much time to make every guess known to men. But I think it they did surprise with. Um, I mean, people thought it was going to be a weird form factor. It's just a fat, yeah, Gen, Gen three, um, and they put in the uh, the uh, A eight chip, which you know they kind of overclocked it, which is interesting as well um but i think uh, I, i'm talking about a hardware aspect of it we didn't know what it was going to look like right we didn't yeah. know what the remote was going to look like whereas uh you know uh, we're already starting to see parts leak for the the iphone um and it's what three months after the last one launched yeah and part of that too is you know the apple tv didn't get in people's hands until almost two months after they announced it so they had the convenience of you know, not having it be in a manufacturing stage. But generally speaking, even with the Apple TV, when we're like two weeks out from an Apple event, we know everything that is going to be announced at the event, and we know what all the details are going to be for the most part, right? I mean, you look at, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're nine months out or whatever now from a new iPhone, and so things are starting to come together and we're getting an idea. But when it's August 31st, we're going to know pretty much everything about this new iPhone. We're going to know what it looks like. We're going to know definitively whether or not it has a, a headphone jack. Spoiler alert, it will. Um, we're going to know <laughs> almost everything about it from a hardware perspective. The software is where they can surprise a little bit because they yeah, can keep that in-house. It's, all, in, it's all in-house. Yeah. The hardware, though, they, they just can't. And especially with an iPhone, they got to produce you know, 15 million of them to have shipped out a week and a half after they announce it. So they're... They're starting production now because they're going to, you know, ship 100 million of them this fall for the for the next iPhone. So it's really hard for them to keep secrets on that kind of stuff, and they're not going to be able to do that 
no matter what, I don't think. I think that's just kind of an inevitability of the size of their business. I think, honestly, the biggest surprise of all of 2015 of Apple's announcements, the one thing that nobody knew anything about or expected or, or saw coming, was the smart connector on the iPad Pro. Was there anything else that they announced in 2015 that we didn't know was coming? We knew about 3D Touch. We knew about... Right, but but everyone thought in the leaked parts, because there were cases and stuff and there was a hole there, everybody thought that was going to be a yeah, USB-C be. port is what they thought. So nobody even knew that the smart connector was a thing. And what makes it even more amazing is that they actually partner with Logitech on it, which you would think would make it even more likely for the information to leak out. But Oh, are you kidding me? If I was Logitech, I would yeah, put that... Right. Yeah. If, if I was Logitech <laughs> and I had a partnership like this right. on the line... I would literally lock every single employee in one room. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I would lock them all in the factory and not let them leave until after the announcement. I agree with you. I'm that just saying the, that the, the fact partnering that that quiet is the least surprising portion. But the fact that they partner with somebody means it's more likely to leak rather than just keeping it in-house is what I'm saying. But, I mean, was there anything else that they announced in 2015 at all of any of their products that was a surprise? I feel like, uh, I'll be honest with you, I feel like there was... But I can't remember what it was. I mean, you know, iOS 9. Like there, there was something, faster, there was something faster during touch an event. ID. <laughs> I would say what? the only other uh, big surprise, and, and it was only f- surprise for people that don't read Apple Insider, was the uh, new iPod Touch launch where they gave them the A8 chips. Uh, we had a scoop on that a few months before, but there weren't a lot of like supply chain rumors about a new iPod before that came out. So that was a surprise hardware launch. But even that, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like a whole new form factor or way of interacting with devices or anything. It was just a new iPod with a faster chip in it. Yeah, but everything else, everything else that came out. I mean, we knew that the iPhone success was going to have a better and faster. Um, touch id sensor as of like january of 2015 that had leaked out i think ming chi kuo had that one we knew it was going to have force touch later 3d touch from the time the apple watch was announced really uh we knew about the ipad pro and the stylus um you know we we knew it was going to have some sort of a keyboard accessory to make it like a laptop style thing we knew it was going to have four speakers on it i mean we knew all that stuff before those products were announced It's, it's impossible for apple to keep this stuff under wraps and the iPad Pro didn't even launch for two months after it was announced, and we still knew almost everything about it. Yeah, I mean, but do they really need that level of secrecy anymore? That's their 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 entire marketing strategy. Yes. is predicated on buzz. Yeah, I mean, Apple but Insider true, would yeah. not exist if they were not yeah. so interested in secrecy. You know, I mean, they're making what, what are they spending on marketing now? Just a little over a billion a year. I would, I would, be willing to wager that they get easily three times oh, yeah. whatever they put into advertising in free media. Yeah, I think because of their strategy. I think uh, Microsoft and Google spend like six times what Apple does on marketing. It's like not even close. And well, Samsung was spending what fifteen billion a year. And, and you, you know, you look at our website, uh, we've been around since 1997, and Apple was not exactly a large company back in 1997. And the website's been around for so long, and there's this huge ecosystem of websites devoted solely to covering Apple that you don't see with a company like Microsoft and or, or even Google or, I mean, like, where is, like, why isn't there a Facebook insider? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> there just isn't that level of interest uh, with those other companies, and it's really just about that secrecy. So I think that secrecy is paramount to Apple's success. I think that uh, the more they can keep things secret, the better it is for them. Also, and here's another reason that it's a, a problem. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'm probably going to be wrong because of how incestuous contract manufacturing is, <laughs> but it's important that they try and keep things as under wraps as possible because it's becoming so much easier for people to fast follow. Yeah. It's even from five years ago until today, it's an order of magnitude easier for anyone, not even just somebody with the resources of Samsung, but anyone to fast follow what Apple does. I mean, Huawei came out with a, uh, a force, some version, some variation of force touch, I think before the iPhone 6S right. even shipped. 
Yeah. HTC had that horrible uh, iPhone 6 ripoff not long after the iPhone 6 came out because we had known what the iPhone 6 was going to look like for a while from all the leaked parts. I mean, geez, when... Yeah. Uh, Which was a shame. Poor I, HTC. They used to be so great. I remember there was something where fall. at CES last year, the Apple Watch wasn't even out yet, but they had announced it and showed what it was going to look like in September. So someone was at CES selling Apple Watch knockoffs that like ran like, you know, some undercooked version of Android and looked like an Apple Watch and you could buy oh, them yeah, before they were available the, in stores here. But but that was before the 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 product even hit store shelves. Like that's how quickly these <laughs> companies can take something and and turn it into, you know, and copy it and do something. It's crazy. So yeah, secrecy will never go away. And Tim Cook can speak all he wants about doubling down, but like I said, the reality of having such a massive supply chain and being such a large company is you just there's no group of people this large in the world that can keep a secret. There's just not. Not even the U.S. government, obviously. That was an Edward Snowden reference. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, very well. Topical. Yes, very. All right, well, that's our show for today. Uh, if you want to follow Neil, where can we find you on the web? You can read my rantings at Apple Insider, and uh, you can uh, also follow me on Twitter at This Is Neil. And Shane, where can uh, we you find can you? You can find me at Apple Insider as well, right next to Neil, as it used to be and should be. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter, but you shouldn't because I don't tweet ever. All right, and I am Mikey Campbell. You can follow me at MikeyCampbell81 on Twitter. And also, and also see you on every CBS yeah. affiliate across yeah. the United yeah. States. Yeah, yeah. I, I read something from you on CBS News today, Mike let's, Campbell. Uh, let's not look that up <laughs> because... Uh, I didn't watch it. How did it turn out? No, not good. Not good. I was on um, uh, All Things Considered like four or five years ago. Uh, they interviewed me and, and John Gruber. And like it was so funny, like all these people that like it was like a I was it was like a ten second segment or something. They they interviewed me for like an hour and used like one word that I said, and uh, it was funny. Like all these people like called like oh I haven't heard from you in a while I heard you on NPR. I was like oh yeah great. <laughs> wow, your 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 uh, former classmates listen to NPR. <laughs> in the circles that I travel in, there's a lot of NPR listeners. So there you go. Interesting. What he's implying by that is that he is a rich yuppie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, either yes. that or he's very poor and wants to appear like uh, yeah rich I'm a rich yuppie, yuppie with two uh, receivers <laughs> uh, yeah you bought a new receiver just to get airplay d- <laughs> god Neil kill so me much, kill me so much bourgeois yeah Z alright I know well, I don't even own a receiver yeah I don't own speakers yeah